Welcome to the Practice of Theology. My name is Tyler Kirkpatrick, and in addition to hosting this podcast, I serve as one of the pastors of Cross Point Church in Columbus, Georgia. The Practice of Theology exists to help the local church engage theology on a deeper level and learn how it applies to daily life. Today I'm talking with Max Stiles about the topic of evangelism. For many years, Max served as pastor of Erbil International Baptist Church in Erbil, Iraq. Before that, he was CEO of Gulf Digital Solutions and General Secretary for the Fellowship of Christian UAE Students in the United Arab Emirates. And he also worked for InterVarsity Christian Fellowship in the United States for several years. Mac is the author of several books, including Marks of the Messenger, Speaking of Jesus, and Evangelism. He's also written numerous articles on the topics of missions and evangelism. To find out more about Mac, you can follow him on Twitter at Mac Styles. I hope you enjoy this conversation, and I pray it encourages you as you seek to share your faith with those around you. All right, Mac, well, thank you for being with me this morning on the Practice of Theology podcast. You're here to help me think through and help our listeners think through the topic of evangelism. Tyler, it's good to be here. Yeah, and I'm happy to do that. Yeah. Okay. So before we start with the topic at hand, would you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you came to faith, and then what you do now? Yeah. Well, uh, I was at a skiing and mountain climbing school in Zermont, Switzerland. I was 16 years old. I was at a, it was a race camp, so learning how to race, uh, downhill skiing. Mm. And uh, I was living as a pagan, very much so. and uh, there was a young man there who knew the gospel and shared it with me. Looking back on it, I realized he was a very young Christian himself. Uh, uh, I found myself in his room one day. I, I was fascinated with him because he seemed he seemed joyful and happy, but he didn't go party with us at night. And he didn't, you know, yeah, it was amazing. And I, I asked him one day in the hall, we were in this kind of youth hostel. I asked him in the hallway, uh, how come, Robert, how come you don't go party with us at night? And he said, well, it, it's not that you don't look like you're having fun sometimes, but what I have in my life is so much better than what I could ever get out of a bottle. I'd never trade it. Mm. Of course, I had no idea what he was talking about. He was talking about Jesus. Uh, but uh, later, just kind of poking at him, <laughs> you know, figuring out what, what made this guy tick. I knew uh-huh. I wanted what he had. Uh, and he shared the gospel with me. I don't particularly remember exactly. It was a track. It was from Cross and the Switchblade, the old Cross and the Switchblade ministry out of New York. Uh, and uh, I came to faith. I bent my knee to Christ, confessed my sin, repented of sin, which was <laughs> huge, and uh, and uh, followed Christ since 1972. So, you know, you're li- you, you don't realize when you come to faith what a... You know, big hinge that is in your life, but that swung open the door to me to faith. And I am eternally grateful for Robert. I've never seen him again mm. uh, since those weeks in Switzerland, but I'm grateful to him and to the Lord's grace for reaching out to me a sinner and calling me to faith. Yeah, Amen. So what, what do you do now, Mac? Out of university, I graduated with a degree in microbiology, never to be used. <laughs> Except occasionally in ministry to talk about leprosy or <laughs> yeah, expansion right. of mind skins or something like that. But yep. you know, by and large, <laughs> skin disease. <laughs> by and large, you know, uh, I went on staff with campus ministry directly out of university. 
uh, and that was a great joy. I uh, was in the States working on various campuses throughout the Southeast up until the 90s and um, was asked, I was directed short-term mission trips. Actually, Leanne and I wrote a book on short terms, uh, wrote a book or two back then, uh, but was asked to start campus ministry in the Arabian Peninsula. And so that was at the tail end of the 90s, 98, 99, was asked to do that, mm. which was a pretty big deal. You know, I mean, it was, it was giving up what I was doing then in campus ministry to start campus ministry in a place where it would never been done before in the Arabian Peninsula. Right. Uh, and so... Of course, it was a bigger deal when 9-11 hit. So that coming up here on the 20th anniversary, we, we spent 20 years in the Middle East since that point. But we left for the Middle East to develop campus ministry at right after 9-11. So we spent 16 years in the Arabian Peninsula. And then we did four years of pastoral ministry. I was a pastor in Iraq, in Erbil, northern Iraq, in Kurdistan. Mm. Yeah, wonderful. Well, thank you for sharing that. Also, too, just I know people will not be able to see, maybe they can hear your smile, but especially in hearing your testimony and talking about Robert and just thinking back to those days. You know, I was brought to faith, well, obviously by the Lord, but through the means of an altar call in a missionary Baptist church. And uh, I still look back to that moment and think, man, the Lord is just so good. Great yes, he is good. Yeah, so good. All right, Max. So what is evangelism and what does the Bible say about it? Evangelism is our effort to persuade people with the gospel. So Paul says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we persuade men, we persuade them. <laughs> so evangelism is not just data transfer. It's, it's not just making sure that we do a, a Bible dump on people. We actually engage people with the gospel. And the gospel is the message from God that leads us to salvation. Mm. That's what the gospel is. And, and it, in that message is answers to the most fundamental questions about who we are and who God is. Um, primarily that God is holy and loving and our creator. And primarily that we are, we are not God <laughs> about us. We are not God. And though we were created to be in fellowship with him, we have broken that relationship through our sin such that we're separated from God, so that we're created in the divine image of God, but broken and fallen and sinful. And consequently, Christ was sent by God to be a willing sacrifice for our sins on the cross such that God would be able to offer us forgiveness and his mercy and restored fellowship with him. Uh, and that, that what is left for us is, is to choose, mm. uh, to repent of sin, turn to Christ, put our complete faith and trust in Christ, the resurrected Lord, uh, and following him all the days of our lives. So, uh, you know, evangel when you ask that question of evangelism, you have to unpack it. <laughs> right. It's, a, it's us sharing that good news with, with people to persuade them about the truth of Christ and his offer 
Mm. Yeah, amen. So is uh, is evangelism missions? I think sometimes we think of people who are evangelists or who do evangelism as being missionaries. Is there a correlation between the two? Is it the same thing? Well, uh, no. <laughs> I mean, it's not the same thing. Right. Uh, I mean, I, I want to be careful about this because you hear people say stuff like this all the time, Tyler. You know, it's like, I'm a missionary t- at work or I'm a missionary to the college campus or I'm a missionary, you know, and I would, I, I would want to be a little more careful about that. I know what people mean when they say that, and I never argue with anyone about right. it. I, I understand what they're talking about. But uh, a missionary is someone who is uh, set aside, a sent one. It comes from the same root word as apostle, sent ones. And so we must be careful to understand that a missionary is someone set aside by the church to fulfill the Great Commission, to go into all the world and make disciples. So a missionary is someone who crosses cultures with the gospel to make disciples. And I would add, I, I just, to, just to put a finer point on it, I would add as a vocation, you know, this is, this is your life. Mm-hmm. Even short-termers, short-term missionaries, I think unless you've kind of given up your life you're not really a missionary. Um, I, although I I won't quibble about that. I, I mean, I mm-hmm. actually have argued with John Piper about this on the stage, but I, <laughs> I, I, I just think it's too easy to slip into everybody's a missionary. When I think the, the right way to say it is everyone is called to evangelism. Everybody is called to that. But I believe the Great Commission is given primarily to the church. Which is, which is why we can have goers and senders. Right. Not everyone is called to missions, but everyone is called to evangelism. So I just, I just, I like to be careful about that, Tyler. I, what do you think about that? No, I agree with you completely. And that's where the question spurs from is because I, I do think sometimes in an unhealthy way, we make missions and evangelism the same thing. Uh-huh. And I agree with you in in bringing out missions as a cross-cultural taking of the gospel to the nations, whereas, like you're saying, everyone is called to evangelism. And so that means all of our life is evangelism, yeah. whether it starts in your home, goes to your workplace, or right. goes to your kid's soccer game. Right. That is evangelism, and it's part of the fabric of who the church is and who we are as we spread out into our communities. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here here's a question to follow that up. So you've just said that everyone is called to evangelism. Is there a difference between the gift of evangelism and, or, or maybe the gift of being an evangelist and evangelizing? Is everyone called to be an evangelist? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> but I, I have written books on evangelism and I don't know. I, I think, I mean, you have, again, you have to be careful about this, right? Uh-huh. So what you don't, what we want to avoid is people saying, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have the gift of evangelism, so I'm not, I don't have to share my faith. That's the point. That's what we're avoiding. <laughs> um, that, well, that's nonsense. You know, I mean, for one, you know, some of the best evangelists I know are brand new baby Christians. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they don't know anything except the gospel. <laughs> <laughs> so the gift of evangelism, I, I, I would, I would, put in the same way as the gift of a pastor. You know, that, that an evangelist is someone who is called to be uh, 
you know, live out evangelism publicly, um, that the, the gift of evangelism is being able to, to boldly and clearly proclaim the gospel in public settings, uh, mm. you know, but that, but but just because you don't have the gift of evangelism doesn't mean you you shouldn't try to persuade people with the truth of the gospel. Right. You know, the the most effective evangelists in the world, the people that lead the most people to Christ are Christian moms, not Billy Graham, not, you know, big crusades, not big missions, not the latest missionary program in a church. It's moms who faithfully share with their children the gospel of Christ. So I I would be horrified to think of a mother saying, well, I, I, I'm not an evangelist. I, I don't have the gift of evangelism, so I can't, I can't share with my children the gospel. Right. So I guess that's what, that's a, uh, to get at the nub of it, that's what I would say. Yeah, no, that's great. That That's really helpful. And you hit the point there is um, I, I do think sometimes you, you can hear people say, well, I'm not gifted in evangelism, so uh-huh. therefore I have to serve the kingdom in another way. You know, 99% of my evangelistic efforts are complete fails. <laughs> complete fails. They go nowhere. I feel like right. I'm talking to myself. I've offended someone unknowingly. I mean, I just... Uh, so let me tell you a story. But, you know, just I love to talk about my failures. I So I was... I had a guy over uh, helping me with my... He has a handyman helping me with a door. We have a big door. And um, he had uh, a guy with him named Michael, uh, kind of his handyman helper. And I had a very friendly conversation. It was obvious I was Christian. Uh, we talked about faith a little bit, not much. They didn't seem very interested. This is a two-part fail. <laughs> so, <laughs> and kind of serious, I, I, uh, they left and then... I had a friend of mine come by the next day and say, you know, Michael, that guy who was helping uh, Adrian with uh, with your door. I said, yeah. He said, he died of a heart attack yesterday. Oh. This was the day after I was with him. And I was like, you got to be kidding. He's a young guy. He's got a young family. He, he said he died of a heart attack in his sleep. So I felt, of course, I felt convicted that I had not been more careful about sharing my faith. I mean, it really brought to home. I mean, I trust the sovereignty of God, and I'm I'm not living under guilt. I trust His forgiveness and mercy most of all. But yeah, nonetheless, I uh, I wrote Adrian, this the the handyman, and I said, Adrian, I I feel like I failed you guys. Well, first I checked in how he was doing, and he said it's really hit me hard. Mm. Uh, I've known Michael since I was 15, and I know his family, so you know there's a lot of pain there. Mm. And I said, well, I, I, as a pastor, I feel like I really failed you. I, I'd like, at least while you are alive and we're together, could I just take 10 minutes to tell you what I think about eternity uh, and what's important to know about Christ for your, for your sake? Because we'll all go where Michael's gone. Right. I think I deeply offended him. He, he hadn't written back. He's not going to come back, help me with my door. <laughs> I mean, so it's kind of like a, a two-part fail, you know? And, and I think that that kind of stuff happens to me all the time mm. um, where I'm, I'm, I'm making fumbling steps or I'm awkward or I don't, I don't get it quite right or my timing's off or I don't, I don't know what to say. 
Uh, a lot of times I, I do what Paul says he never did in Acts chapter 20, which was shrink from the whole counsel of God. I love that about Paul, that he never shrank away. He was always on game. Yep. And uh, so I feel like these things are serious in our lives. Um, and we should, we should take the opportunities that come to us more seriously. I guess mm-hmm. that's, that's my point about this silly division between evangelists and evangelism. And uh, look, uh, you know, awkward is much better than silence. And, Every time. And if we're, if we're going to be, if we're going to fail, let's fail towards the cross, you know, not away from it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. Is that helpful? No, it's so helpful. And two, I think a point that, you know, comes out of that story in particular is is this, that evangelism in terms of the human perspective is not about the results, but about doing. Oh, utterly. Yeah. Right? The Lord is the one who alone saves. It, it's right. not us. It's not as if we are going out doing this because we think this is going to save someone, but rather that God would use this moment to save right. someone. And so we're compelled to to go even in the midst of the 99 failures out of 100 yeah. because we trust that the Lord will use this whenever and however He pleases. And so doing is very, very important. Yeah, we remember the lost sheep. Right. Okay, so is there a difference between, and this is the last kind of <laughs> pitting two things against one another, is there a difference between apologetics and evangelism? And, and, and I think, you know, if you get on YouTube right now and you were to type sharing the gospel, I feel like probably you would find a bunch of videos about someone arguing for the Bible. And that's there's definitely a place for that, and apologetics is a good thing to do. But I'm not so sure that apologetics is always evangelism. So can you help us think through that? Well, again, if you go back to our definition, if you use apologetics as a springboard to share the gospel, mm. uh, yeah, it's evangelism. If you don't, if you're only trying to make a case, which is not a bad thing, like you say, it's not a bad thing to do, uh, but it's not evangelism. It's apologetics. Right. It might sweep away objections to the faith, which is excellent. Mm-hmm. And we should we should be aware of that because many people are so stunned with some objection to Christian faith, or you know. So <laughs> I just I just preached the eulogy of last month at my mother's funeral. Mm. And um, it was easy to do in one sense because she made it easy. She, her life had been a life of faith and a long and good life. Amen. I'm so grateful for my mother. But there were many relatives there who were not just non-Christians, but anti-Christian. And I was able to say to them in the eulogy at the funeral, my mother knew that Christianity was not about all the objections to the Christian faith. It was not about the Spanish Inquisitions. It was not about the Crusades. It was not about all the hypocrites in the church. It was about one thing, this man, Jesus Christ. Yeah. And about one event in his life, the fact that he rose from the dead. That's right. And if you don't get that, you don't get Christian faith, and you don't understand my mother, (laughs) you can't. Uh, Now, she had a great reputation among our our family, and Mm. so I hope that hit home because they tend to argue about those things. And and they're, many of them are young and they've never heard about the Crusades or the Spanish Inquisitions, which is just utterly ridiculous as a, you know, anti-Christian <laughs> right. 
I mean, it, it just, my eyes glaze over, when, uh, especially with Muslim friends, when they talk about errors in the Bible or the Trinity or Jesus in the birth canal or, you know, <laughs> I just, all the objection, you know, the stock objections that come up from our Muslim friends about the Christian faith, which they've just basically been taught to say, they don't really understand the implications of it. Right. Uh, so, yeah. So there's a place for apologetics. You need to know them. Uh, I especially think you need to know them in, in Muslim evangelism, but... Mm-hmm. If you don't get to the gospel, you haven't evangelized. Yeah, amen. Oh, amen. Oh, by the way, Tyler, let me let me add to that. I would think the same is true about testimonies. I hear people give testimonies all the time, and the gospel's not included in the testimony. That's right. In some way, you know. I mean, uh, so some in a similar way, I think we should discipline ourselves to make sure that we point to Christ in our our testimony of faith rather than. Uh, rather than point to ourselves. Now, with that said, I, I realize you asked me my testimony at the start, and I hope I did that. I don't remember. You did? <laughs> did I? Okay, good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because, I, I mean, it's easy to do. It's easy not to do. You know, I mean, it, it's easy to leave it out. That's right. To, uh, or at least it, 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 at some point, not talk about repentance and belief, you know, putting our faith and trust in Christ. So. Yep. No, I mean, as a pastor, I, I think, you know, if there are pastors listening, we've all been in a situation where we've sat in a member interview or, or most likely we've been in this situation, and you've heard someone's testimony, and then you say, oh, you know, thanks for sharing that, but how exactly did the Lord save you? <laughs> and then and then very quickly, though, people will say, oh, I'm, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, like, I, yeah, yeah, and yeah. it's just, it is natural to us. Right. But I think that's the point of evangelism in particular, is this moment of evangelism is singularly purposed. Yeah. Right. It's to talk about what you were saying, the persuasion of the gospel and its content, what Christ has done uh, and who we are in light of that. Uh, Okay, so how can we better train and prepare for evangelistic encounters? Well, you need to know the gospel. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, You know, uh, first Peter 315, always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason, the hope that is in you. You need, and I don't mean just the gospel on God, man, Christ response, although that's an excellent place to start. But I mean, sure. you need to know it backwards and forwards. You need to understand the implications of it. You need to understand wh- who, uh, who we are before a holy God as sinners, what Christ has actually done in, in uh, his work on the cross, how re- redemption and justification work uh, in, the, in the spiritual realms. You know, we we need to have that cold. Uh, but then, secondly, I mean, secondly, we need to to speak the gospel. So, Galatians two fourteen, you know, First uh, Corinthians five eleven. Already talked about First uh, Corinthians or Second Corinthians five eleven. Since mm-hmm. we know the fear of the Lord, we persuade men. And then, uh, then we need to live the gospel. That's the Galatians passage two fourteen. We need yep. to we need to make sure that our conduct is in line with the truth of the gospel. So I say, know the gospel, speak the gospel, live the gospel. Those are the three kind of pillars of the evangelist's heart, I think. Mm. Uh, I can go on. There are more. There are more. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Those are absolutely foundational. What are some practical steps we can take to prepare? I mean, are there like resources? I mean, certainly getting plugged into a local church, but... I, I think the best, uh, two best resources are your Bible and the church. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the best, uh, I mean, if, you, if, you, if you're willing to, if you know the gospel and you know it well, 
and you you're you're willing to be bold and clear with the gospel mm. uh, to speak the gospel and if you are living a life that commends the gospel you know the, those three things are going on um yeah you you need to understand that an invitation to someone to read the bible with you is probably the best evangelistic tool you have yeah and to invite them to go to a a gospel preaching, Bible drenched, vibrant, healthy church with with you is uh, is equally important to see the community of faith. Yeah. So those two things, those two. I mean, I've used lots of other tools and methods and things, and they're great in their place. There's not. I, I, I'd never be opposed to any of those things. Sure. But sure. I, I don't think they ever are as good as just reading the Bible with someone who's interested and taking them to church. I just took a, this was a couple weeks ago. My, I had an electrician here. I do a lot of work <laughs> at my house. I had an electrician here. He thought he was a Christian. He tells all his electrician buddies that they're all going to hell, which I don't think is helpful because I don't think you know, it's very clear. He's not a believer. Uh, but, uh, you know, so I don't know what kind of witness that he is. <laughs> But he thinks he's a Christian and, you know, invited him to church. He came. It was amazing. We've, uh, you know, I've got, I've got a lot of, a, of a electrical problems. So I'm counting on a longer relationship with him to talk to him about the Lord. He's concerned about his son. He has a 10-year-old son. Uh, so, yeah, I think just, you know, taking advantage of the opportunities in front of us, looking for low-hanging fruit at church, non-Christians that show up. So I was so grateful. I go to Third Avenue Baptist Church with Greg Gilbert, mm -hmm. who's the senior pastor there. It's just so helpful to to take my electrician friend to uh, church and have everyone greet him and talk to him and ask him questions about what he thought about the sermon. And, you know, I mean, it was just everybody's on game. So developing that culture of evangelism in the church is just excellent. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, th I think maybe one of the important things for us to do is develop the gospel as a spiritual discipline. Don Whitney talks about that as a spiritual discipline, who's also, by the way, a member at Third Avenue. Mm -hmm. uh, Don talks about the, um, uh, the idea that we make decisions about evangelism. We look for opportunities. We're, we're on game in evangelism as a discipline. That yeah. is a very helpful idea. And I, I, I see these seasons in my life when I have to sort of, well, I'm not sort of, I repent of kind of retreating from evangelism and thinking, wait a second, I've missed some opportunities here and I, I don't want to do that. Kind of recommitting myself to, to reaching out to people with the gospel. Mm. Those are all practical things you can do. They're not very hard. That's the thing. Uh, I, don't, I don't know why we go for really difficult stuff. I was in London. Right, right. Uh, I was speaking at Christ Church Bromley, Ian Bloomfield's church there, you know, very vibrant church. Uh, and they were trying to get people to share on the tube, the uh, the British, you know, the, the British subway system. And I was like, nobody talks to anybody on the tube in London. Nobody does that. Are you kidding? Everybody thinks you're weird. You try to talk to them on the tube. Why don't you talk to people that come to church that are interested in Christian faith? You know, let's start with low-hanging fruit. <laughs> But anyhow, I, I hope I didn't discourage them from sharing their faith. But but, but regardless, you know, it's it, it, I'm a coward in in many regards, and so I I want to I want to go the easiest path uh, since the easiest way is hard enough. 
and kind of look for relationships that are already built in, family members that I can talk to or people that I know that I could drop an email to and, you know, say, I'd like to talk to you about this and look for those that are interested. Yeah. Uh, That actually answers my next question of how we can work evangelism into our daily lives. And rather, you know, it's not so much working it in, but identifying the moments when we can share. I mean, I think of, you know, you already mentioned moms. That day, any given day is ripe for opportunities to share the gospel. You know, but I think about people like working at Lowe's or nurses. Oh, my word. Yeah, nurses. Maybe for for guys like us, it's like, oh, well, yeah, it's kind of simple. You just do it. But I think sometimes people who are working in their job and they're, they're going from one thing to the next, you know, how can they seize or or find opportunities to work the gospel into their conversations? Yeah, Do you have any hard. practical help for that? Yeah. I think it's hard. I think you, mm. you live your faith. Uh, you live your faith openly. Uh, you don't shy away from when people ask you, what did you do this weekend? Oh, I went to church, you know? <laughs> I mean, you, you want to yeah. make sure that that people are know your life and what you're doing. Um Workplaces are difficult. Neighborhoods are even harder. You know, I, I, I think an American neighborhood is much, much more difficult to talk about faith than a Muslim context I've ever been in. Mm. In many ways, the, uh, the opportunity to share your faith in a Muslim context is just everywhere. They talk about spiritual issues all the time in the Muslim world, and they're fascinated by Christians, by and large. You know, of course, there's people that that oppose Christian faith, but by and large, most Muslims in a Muslim context are very, you're not very threatening. And so consequently, they're they're very open to conversations about Christian faith. Mm. Yeah, yeah. No, so that's... Anyhow, yeah, just, I, yeah, those are things that we need to think about. Yeah, no, those are helpful. And when I was in the army, that was one of the biggest ways that I had opportunity to share about my faith was just folks knowing that I was a Christian, that I had gone to church on Sunday, that I would not look at the things they had pulled up on their phone. I mean, it just, it became very clear who I was, and that did stand in opposition to who they were, Yeah. but because of my faith, I loved them, I wanted to be with them, and it gave me many opportunities to talk. I mean, especially, so here's the thing that I've noticed, whenever you are a Christian in a largely non-Christian environment, all you really have to do is live your faith, take the opportunity to share the gospel when it comes... But whenever a, a, a disaster comes into someone's life or into our world, people want to know what you think. Yeah. If someone dies, they 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 want to know. If something happens, a terrorist attack, for instance, they they want to know. Yeah. And so you know, you kind of do put yourself out there, and you you do play the long game. Evangelism is not always just moment by moment, but it's it's a it's a life lived. Yeah. Okay. So how would you share the gospel with us? with a stranger. Do you have any particular tactics that you use? No, not really. <laughs> no, I don't have it. I mean, I think maybe years ago I did. Uh, but look, the goal, the, the goal, Tyler, is in the end for you to be so in love with Jesus and so committed to his work in your life and so in tune with him that the gospel naturally comes out of you. Mm. Um. So that doesn't always happen, and I, it's uh, it's kind of like playing t-ball. You know, our our grandson is playing t-ball right now. <laughs> He's really cute, and uh, you know, the, but you don't see major leaguers hitting off a tee, <laughs> right? So, right. Yeah, the goal is to develop a level swing. So the methods and 
programs and things like that can be really helpful if you're trying to develop evangelistic, uh, you know, uh, growth in your life. But in the end, you want it to come out of your your deep and abiding uh, love of Jesus. Mm. So, yeah, I I think the big, the biggest thing for me is not a is not a method, but slaying the fear of man. Uh, for me, uh, you know, I feel it in my heart. I don't I don't need a program. I I just need to uh, think about what to say. I want to I want to be shrewd. I don't and I and I want to avoid putting obstacles in the way of of faith. You know, so I don't want to be obnoxious. Mm-hmm. Uh, often, I guess if I have any method, it would be more questioning. You know, what do you think? Listening. Why, why do you say that? Mm. Um, gee, I understand why a Christian might put his faith in two thousand years of human history. What do you put your faith in? Or you know, <laughs> you know, right. some little more pointed questions. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I, I was probably singularly unhelpful. I think that it's more important to be bold and clear. Just be bold. I and uh, and like I say often, that doesn't go anywhere. But to avoid the fear of man is the chief method. No, that's right. I I agree with you completely. I think sometimes, while there are certainly helpful things that I would not look at and say you shouldn't do that, I do think sometimes we are waiting for the moment when we feel really comfortable, when we feel like we can really do it, and then we're going to share. Yeah. Uh, the problem is, is that moment largely for most of us never comes. We, 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 we never feel adequate enough. Yeah. A couple times a life that might come your way. Right. <laughs> by right. And, by and large. It's, yep. Yeah. No. And that was my next question was about, okay, so <laughs> the bigger question is how do you overcome the fears associated with evangelism? And, and I think to your point, that is the biggest question in considering evangelism is, do you fear the Lord more than you fear man? Yeah. And I think we all have to ask ourselves that question. It's the number one obstacle in evangelism is mm-hmm. fears. Uh, and that never stops. Right. It's a it's a, a battle you will face till they put you in the grave. Now, there's some people that are less fearful than others. Right. And people fear different things. So... I have friends that fear being put to death by their family members. Our, our, our church in Iraq actually had six people who were under death threats from families. So, you know, at the same time, they're some of the boldest people I know. Yeah. They, they knew that their family members would want to kill them. On the other hand, I often say this, I think this was James Kennedy who coined this phrase that most of the world fears the raised fist, but here in America, we fear the raised eyebrow. Yeah, that's a very striking statement. I think we all would have to look at that and think, yeah, that's that's true. Yeah. Now, the raised eyebrow is, a, you know, it's a powerful thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, rejection is a good, cuts deep. Mm-hmm. And the only way to really, well, there's a couple ways to overcome it, but I would say, again, fall in love with Christ. You know, you can't just not be afraid of man. You have to replace it. Right. And uh, 
that is the fear of the Lord. Yep. But when we say the fear of the Lord, what what we mean is, uh, well, it means it's a continuum, right? The fear of the Lord is a continuum. If we are opposed to God, it's stark terror uh, as such that we will see on the day of judgment, Matthew mm. 7, you know, 21 through 29 kind of thing. Uh, when we recognize that the maker of the universe is opposed to us, stark terror, fear of the Lord. But the fear of the Lord, for those who are are following Christ, and it means that we are uh, under his lordship, that we we follow him and his lordship in our lives, no matter the cost. So, uh, yeah, I think we must replace the fear of the Lord with the love of God and his lordship in our lives. Yeah. So obedience, I mean, just just straight up obedience is a part of evangelism that we're called to do it. And so we share, we share. Yep. Yeah. You know, I'm preaching on Genesis 22 this Sunday here at our church. And, um, you, you know, I, uh, for whatever reason, it just never struck me before, but as you read through this and this you have this Abraham, account, Isaac, yeah, Abraham, um, Isaac, and God's call to sacrifice Isaac, yeah, right. You know, as you read this, there's a, there's a, there, there are many moments where you're like, what is happening? And if it were not for the beginning, after these things, God tested, tested. Yeah. I mean, that would be a really troubling. I mean, it's already a troubling passage for many people, but even for the church, it would be troubling if we didn't know this was a test. But you have this extreme call of obedience to sacrifice the only son of Abraham, the heir of all of the promises that God has made with him. And it's so striking that in verse 12, I believe, it says, of God, and now I know that you fear me. Yeah. The the Lord didn't learn anything in that moment, actually, because we believe he's omniscient. He knows all things. He is sovereign. Yeah. But the Bible goes so far as to say, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that the Lord, by Abraham's actions, learned that Abraham feared him. And so, I mean, that's what our obedience is. I mean, even in evangelism, it's it's communicating not only to ourselves and those around us, but also to God that... I fear you. I'm going to do this thing that maybe will make me not popular, not cool. Maybe I will lose family members, but I fear you more than I fear myself and more than I fear those around me. And that's a hard thing to do. Yeah. I've I've preached that passage to Muslims, Mm. uh, and it's very significant for them. Obviously, that's where Jewish and Christian folk depart from. Yeah, that chapter right before with Ishmael. Right. You know, I lived in Erbil, where, uh, very close to Ur. Uh, hmm. And uh, so Abraham probably walked around in Erbil. There's a citadel of Erbil there where the, where the Persians defeated, or the, who was it? The de- Persians were defeated by Alexander the Great, by the uh-huh. Greeks. <laughs> so astonishing history in Erbil, and the thought that some of that history happened very close to where we lived. We lived in the plains of Nineveh. Oh, wow. So, uh, yeah, so we were close. Mosul is Nineveh, the uh-huh. uh, capital of ISIS. Yep. You know, I digress. Okay, so with the final time we have here, do you have any words for those who really desire to evangelize, but they don't feel like they are capable? Maybe because they don't feel like they have enough knowledge or training. How would you encourage them? Well, I'd want them to read my books, Marks of the Messenger, and Evangelism, How the Whole Church Speaks of Jesus. If someone doesn't really understand the gospel, I mean, if they can't if they can't share the gospel with you, you 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 should you should nail that down. I think you should make sure you truly believe it yourself. You know, uh, mm. 
which is about biblical conversion. I would recommend Michael Lawrence's book called Conversion because I think there's great confusion in the, uh, especially in you know the modern church about what it means to be a genuine believer in Christ. Muslims are often fascinated when I tell them all Christians are converts. They 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 don't have a category for that. Honestly, that 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 baffles them. So biblical conversion is important to understand. And I would I would get together with a uh, someone who's sharing their faith and watch them. <laughs> so right. I have a partner in evangelism. Mm. Apprenticeships in evangelism are the best. It's a lot better than reading a book. Mm. Even my books. <laughs> it's a lot better. It's a lot better than just hearing a talk. It's it's uh, a real life, honest to goodness, evangelistic encounter is the best training for evangelism. And then I encourage them to to do it, even if they don't feel equipped. Because in one sense, I don't always feel equipped. I mean, good grief. Uh, you know, it's it's a con- it's our condition. Evangelism is personal and it relates to that person. I'd be listening for the gospel and to make sure that your pastor is preaching the gospel and making sure that it's in the sermons, that you understand it, know it, and hear it. Challenge your pastor if you don't hear the <laughs> if you don't hear the gospel. Say, you know, great sermon, you know. Say something nice first. Uh, <laughs> great sermon, you know, but I, I don't know if my non-Christian friend could come to faith because of that sermon. I don't mean technically. I don't mean, you know, I don't mean that it it stirred the emotions or it was technically a great sermon. I mean, the actual components of the gospel were not present in in the sermon. Right. Those are all helpful things for me. Hmm. Yeah. Now, well, thank you for that final word. That that is very encouraging. Well, Mac, thank you for your time. Thank you for being on the podcast. Uh, Very much appreciate just your thoughtfulness about the topic of evangelism and just stirring our hearts to do it. If you've enjoyed this episode, you can help others find and be encouraged by this content by leaving a rating and review wherever you're listening.